Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. This morning's scripture comes from the book of Psalm, chapter 18, verses 1 through 6, and verses 30 through 36. Hear now God's word. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so I shall be saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of perdition assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. This God, his way is perfect. The promise of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock besides our God? The God who has girded me with strength and made my way safe. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set set me secure on the heights. He trains my hand for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of salvation, and your right hand has supported me. Your help has made me great. You gave me a wide place for my steps (coughs) under me, and my feet did not slip. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the, inv- and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. <coughs> good morning once again. I'm Pastor Corey, and it is so good to be together today. If you have seen the juice, and as Pastor Sarah mentioned, uh, the juice in the last several weeks, you have seen a note from me explaining that starting Just after I finish greeting all of you, as you exit, I'll be gone for the next six weeks. And according to the United Methodist Book of Discipline, which is essentially our denominational guidebook for all things United Methodist, paragraph 350.3 states, a clergy member may request a formational and spiritual growth leave for up to six months while continuing to hold an appointment in the local church. Such leaves are available to clergy members who have held full-time appointments for at least six years, and such leaves shall be at the approval of the Committee on Staff Parish Relations, Church Council, and the District Superintendent. So, with the blessing of our Staff Parish Committee, the Church Council, and my DS, Orange has approved a six-week renewal leave for me, and I'll be back on August 14th, which is a Monday, so that means I'll be back worshiping with you all on August 20th. And I am so excited to have a little bit of time to spend with my boys and my extended family. 
for traveling to Austin this week to see friends and celebrate the life of a very dear friend. And also, we'll be traveling to Northern Ireland for about a little less than a month uh, to the town of Newcastle, where I'll be preaching just a few times in an Irish Methodist church. I will be back, and when I return, I hope to be renewed and refreshed for the work that we have ahead of us as a vibrant community of faith that is committed to helping people find their place in God's story. And I'm committed to that mission, and I know Orange is committed to that mission of helping people find their place in God's story. God's story is the reason we gather every single week. We show up here because there is something about God's story that transcends our own, that takes us in and changes us. God's story began long before ours, and God's story will continue long after ours. You know, this first week of my renewal leave, I didn't have anything initially planned, but a few weeks ago, my best friend from college, her father passed away after a long hospice journey. And when Elizabeth called, she asked if I might be available on July 8th to do Gary's service. Of course, I'm so honored, I'm so humble, and I feel grateful for that opportunity to celebrate such a loving, wonderful person and spend time with such dear friends. But you see, his death is a deeply painful reminder that our story, in a way, doesn't last, that nothing really lasts. One of Gary's favorite movies is Forrest Gump, and there's a line in it, Mama always said, death was a part of life. I sure wish it wasn't. That line has been echoing in my mind as I've been crafting his service, and I just keep thinking, I, I sure wish it wasn't. I sure wish things didn't have to end or change, that we didn't have to endure the hardships or circumstances that are beyond our control, that we didn't have to accept that at last. Nothing lasts. And of course, it goes both ways. We are really grateful that some things do not last. We may miss the smell of a newborn baby's skin, but we don't miss smelling it at 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. and 5 a.m., all when we have to work the next morning. There's a famous saying that says the only constant in life is change. And it's true. We are constantly faced with shifting circumstances. Nothing lasts. Jobs change, friends come and go, our health wanes, people move, institutions fail, marriages struggle, children grow up, perspectives shift. We are a people in constant motion and nothing is guaranteed. As the prophet Isaiah says, the people are like the constancy of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. We are ever changing. That's so disorienting, it's so unsatisfying. We'd all love to know how all of this is going to work out. Where will we be in a certain number of years? Who will our kids become? What will the church look like? These are questions that we'd love to have answers to, at least I would. Those existential mysteries that loom heavy over us and they're 
always there. And then we just have the simple day-to-day -day reality that nothing lasts, that so much is out of our control. I had to experience this firsthand the last two Saturdays. I've had some challenges that really are just a reminder that there's so much beyond our control. You see, last Saturday, Tim, I smashed my windshield myself. I did it. I pushed a little thing over uh, for the windshield, and it just shattered it. So I had to call Tiagin. He was at a men's breakfast with some folks from church. Told him what I'd done. Thought we got it taken care of, got it fixed. Yesterday, I went to the gym, tried to leave the gym, and I just heard that terrible noise you never want to hear. Boom, boom, boom. Pulled right back into a parking spot. Called him at the same men's breakfast just a week later. Um, <laughs> So they are not impressed with my car skills. Uh, um, now these are minor inconveniences and we kind of get to, to laugh them off because we can take care of them with enough time, money, and patience. Never underestimate the required patience. But they speak to this larger truth, whether small like a windshield or heavy and profound like losing someone we love. Things change so much in our lives is outside and beyond our control. And that same uncertainty that we struggle with, it's captured by the psalmist today in chapter 18. The psalmist, it's his uncertainty about whether or not his life is in danger, that his life will last, that he calls out in verse 5, the cords of the grave coiled around me, and the snares of death confronted me. It's the fear of circumstances that challenge us that can feel insurmountable. In verse 17, he says, He rescued me from a powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. You ever feel like you're facing something that's stronger than you are? That your pain just might swallow you whole. He continues, They confronted me in the day of my disaster. They confronted me in the day of my disaster. The psalmist is saying, how could it get any worse? Never let that question come out to the universe. The psalmist here is pouring out pain and anguish over what they cannot control. And again, there's so little we do. We had to learn that lesson the hard way in these years that we've navigated a pandemic when the world felt out of control, we felt so powerless. We lift up our arms in exasperation and defeat. And we've done all our limited human hands can do. And when it's all said and done, what do we have left to cling to? What do we stand upon when so much feels uncertain? We cling to our family, certainly, but that isn't even promised. We cling to our identities, our work, our community, but again, those are not guarantees. We cling to relationships, to hobbies, to substances. We cling to things that can be easily washed away by the waves of the world. But what does our life stand upon when all of it's washed away? Amid their anguish, there is one thing that the psalmist declares cannot and will not be washed away. It's the same promise Isaiah professes to when he says the people are grass, easily withered. The psalmist says, the Lord is my rock. <coughs> the Lord is my rock. 
The Lord is my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, the promise of our Lord will stand forever. Nothing can deter it. It's unchangeable, unstoppable. It cannot be taken away from us. The Lord is my rock is a profession of surrender. I can't do this on my own, and I don't want to. The Lord is my rock is a covenantal faithfulness. When all else fails, this remains true. The Lord is my rock is rebellion. It's a rebellion against the world, for the world tells us what we should stand upon, money, success, esteem, rightness, arrogance. But the Lord is my rock. That's defiance against those things. The Lord is my rock is an identity that proclaims the kingdom of God is the vision of love, equity, justice, and grace that we want our lives to point toward. There's a beautiful freedom in that proclamation. The Lord is my rock, nothing else. I can rely on nothing else except that promise. It is a promise that Jesus extends to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he promised it when he prepares his disciples for his death. That even after he's left this world and ascended to be with the Father, that his presence is still the firm foundation that we cling to through the power of the Spirit that's constantly available to us, that's always present. And we may all be asking the question, how do we know we can count on this promise? How do we know that God's faithfulness as our safe harbor is something we can cling to? We know it because we can feel it. We sense that peace when all else fails. We feel that love transcend understanding when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We feel those prayers surrounding us. We know it because we believe it. We've read the promise. We've witnessed its truth in our lives and in the lives of our community. We know it because we've experienced it with our very senses. God's promise and presence is tangible to us. It's here in this worship space, gathered in community. It's through service and mission and in sacrament. We claim the promise that God is our rock, that Jesus is our firm foundation, the cornerstone of our lives as we come to this table and taste that very promise. We feel it in our hands, we experience its nourishment in our bodies. I've said it before, and I'll say it a million times. It's such an honor to be your pastor, and not because I feel this deep desire that I get to serve you. That's a gift, of course. But it's because of the gospel you constantly preach to me in the witness of your very lives. Tiaga, my husband, randomly asked me yesterday in the car, why did you decide to become a pastor? Really chill car talk. <laughs> and I thought about it for a moment, and it's because of what I just said. 
I get to bear faithful witness to the ways that you all as disciples, as the gathered body, cling to that promise. The Lord is my rock in real time and in real ways. And that strengthens my own faith. I sometimes struggle to fully comprehend the power of Jesus to fully claim our lives. And then I witness you show up week after week clinging to this promise with your whole lives. Coming forward to this table, carrying all the pain you've confided in each other and in us and in God. Coming forward so desperate to stand on that rock. Coming forward with the grief of losing someone you love. Coming forward in the midst of a diagnosis, in the midst of treatment. Coming forward in the midst of separation and divorce. Coming forward in the midst of division. Coming forward in the midst of conflict with people you trust. Coming forward jobless, coming forward with questions, coming forward with fear, coming forward with the anxiety, coming forward with unexplained sadness, coming forward with exasperation, coming forward at your rock bottom, only to find there's still a rock beneath your feet. The Lord is my rock. When I am tossed about by this world, I still come to this table and worship. I still come to this table and I receive the promise and gift of God's grace that I'm not only not alone, but I'm held. I'm held by the arms that created me and I'm surrounded by the community that believes those same promises. Our response to come forward to this table, knowing the waves of the world are continuing to come upon us, it is to stand with the psalmist this morning and join that proclamation. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress, my deliverer, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Now, I don't know what circumstances in your life may be making you feel like you are drowning, that your feet are slipping out from beneath you, but my prayer for you today is that may this gathered community, may this feast set before us, and may the power of the Holy Spirit present right now assure you and affirm within you that Jesus is here, that we can stand upon his promises, that we can rest in the stronghold of his love and grace, and that it is a promise we can stand upon. It is our firm foundation. Let us pray. Oh God, we trust in you as we trust in no other. You are the creator of all things and our life depends on you moment by moment. You give us breath and we respond with songs of praise and hymns of adoration. You give us truth and we teach others your word and try to model your ways. You give us eternal life and we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, with all who will listen. You fill us with your Holy Spirit and we love others as you've loved us. You call us your friends and we seek to be friends with the friendless. In all things, we completely depend upon you and do not rest secure in our own strength or wisdom. Draw us closer to you and enable us to live more faithfully as followers of our Lord and Rock, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.